Hi, you're listening to a sermon from Oak Hills Church in Folsom, California. We're so glad you're listening. If you'd like more information, you can visit us online at oakhills.org or phone us at 916-983-0181. Like our prayer, the scripture reading comes from Ephesians. And I'm going to be reading from Ephesians 2, starting in verse 11. And I'm going to read actually through verse 22. It says 18 on your app, but I'm going to read all the way through verse 22. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ for he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, in this particular passage and in many ways throughout the book of Ephesians, The Apostle Paul is describing the power of the gospel to tear down the dividing wall of hostility that stood between the Gentiles and the Jews in the first century. Through Christ, he says over and over again, these two groups, Jews and Gentiles, become one, what's known as the church. And God's purpose for the church is clearly stated in the verses I just read. When Paul says, that the purpose of the church is to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. So now all people who are in Christ are citizens of God's kingdom. They are citizens with God's people. They are members of God's household, and they are constantly being built together To become a dwelling is the word Paul uses in which God lives by his spirit. It's a very high view of the gospel of Jesus Christ spelled out in these verses and throughout the book of Ephesians. This gospel wants to transform people. This gospel wants to change you and it wants to change me. And by extension, it wants to change the norms of society when the norms of society do not align with the shalom of God's kingdom. And in the context of the first century, the gospel wanted to change the way Jews and Gentiles viewed each other. 
and maybe even more importantly, the way Jews and Gentiles related to each other. Also laid out in these verses is a very high view of the church. The wall between the Jews and Gentiles, so common to everybody in the first century, is torn down, Paul says, within the community of God's people, within the church. Jews and Gentiles who are in Christ are now the people of God, and the wall no longer exists. And this new community of people called the church is to be a foretaste of the kingdom of God. The church is an example, then, of love and reconciliation for the whole world to see. It's a prototype, something that the rest of the world can look at and see the way things are supposed to be. Through the power of God unleashed in the people of God, the church becomes an example in the midst of historical time of God's shalom. An example of what life and relationships and community can be like when Jesus is allowed to be king. Since May 31st, we have been talking about some aspect of racism in most of our weekend gatherings because racism is anti-shalom. Racism is a personal and social sin. And where the gospel is breaking in and the kingdom is breaking in and Jesus is reigning, racism is dying. And so today we are continuing our summer churnings series And we're going to hear a fresh perspective on the racial tensions and problems in our nation. In a moment, our good friend Sharon Richards is going to come, and she's going to talk with us about her perspective on these things. But I want to make a suggestion, and I suppose if I were being authentic, it's more than a suggestion. It's a strong recommendation I'd like to make before Sharon comes. James 1 and verse 19 says, Everyone should be quick to listen slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And that verse, I think, is particularly important for us today as Sharon comes to speak. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now, you hear me talk all the time. And when we've been doing these online gatherings, we have encouraged you to make comments, post comments, be interactive. And so far today, we've encouraged you to do the same thing. But you listen to me all the time. And there's a certain blah, blah factor, frankly, when someone like me has spoken as often as I have to people like you. But today we get to hear some from someone who has an extremely important voice we need to hear. We need to listen to, if you will. So I want to ask you, encourage you, strongly recommend that you not make any comments online while Sharon is speaking so we can tune in to what she is saying and, if you will, take the words of James and simply put them into action. And for these next several minutes, we just simply listen and receive what she has to say. I think this is that important. So, Sharon, would you come? And we're going to talk for a bit about a variety of things related to what is happening in our world, you got the tutorial on how to lift up that thing? Yes, I did. Good. <laughs> so maybe to begin, Sharon, I'm sure many people know who you are, and I'm sure some don't. So talk a bit about yourself and uh, how long you've been here, how long you've been part of Oak Hills, what roles you've had, and so on. 
I've been uh, in Folsom for about 28 years. I've been at Oak Hills for about 27. Um, I've got uh, a son who went through Folsom High and a daughter who went through Vista. Um, and um, I've been on staff at times. I was, I was on staff for about 14 years, I think, and worked everything from um, in the office, in the main office, to um, children's ministries, to working for Kent, and um, worked in communications. And yeah, I've been doing all kinds of things. Now I'm um, an elder, and I am, um, I think, bringing a perspective of, of ex-staff, um, leader, I've, I've, I've led small groups, I've participated in small groups, so um, this has been my church home, this is where I got, I grew much, much deeper in my faith. That's good. So let's jump into this, uh, and I want to ask first if you would reflect a bit on what it was like for you in the moments after George Floyd's murder and the ensuing protests and the riots and the looting, what were your emotions? What was going on with you when that first happened? Yeah, so there was so much happening. There were like trains going, so many trains going through my head. Um, needless to say, I was outraged at, at what I watched and what many of us watched. Um, I was disappointed. I was angry. I was frustrated. I was sad. I was brokenhearted. There was just so many things. Um, I was... I was stunned, I was numb, I was hurt. It was definitely difficult. It was the whole month has been the culmination of um, many months, years, decades, generations of just pain. You and I have interacted enough over the years that one of the things I've heard you talk about a lot is your identity as a Christ follower. And so as time passed in the aftermath of these horrible events, how did your identity as a Christ follower begin to impact your response to all these things? Well, you know, initially I I sat in my front room and at home and um, I was just like this. Um, I was just so overwhelmed. And... um, I sat in my grief for a while and I'm just trying to make sense out of something that you just can't make sense out of. But at some point, you know, it just occurred to me, you know, did I even pray? You know, what, what did I even tap into Jesus in the midst of all of that? I thought about um, all the sermons that I've heard, all the worship songs that I've sung, You're My Rock my strength and weakness, all of these things, books I've read, Bible studies I've attended, Bible studies that I've led, um, passages, Old Testament, New Testament, you know, examples of God's faithfulness, um, fruit of the Spirit, the Beatitudes, and all of that was just kind of um, almost uh, slowing my brain down, if you will, as to, um, you know, where, am, where is my faith in this? And so I just had this profound, if, if you will, just here's my faith and, and here's all this chaos and mess and sin and destruction. And my faith needs to be over all of this. And so it just became this place of 
if I am professing to be a Christ follower, what is my response to be in this? I've spent decades believing this, but this was an opportunity. Over here, this is an opportunity to be who I say I am. And so, um, you know, I just kept going. Have I invited God into this situation? Have I asked him what I should be doing? Should I throw, should I, should, shouldn't I have thrown myself on my knees and prayed for all of this and asked for um, just his revelation as to what is, what am I, what are we, what are anybody that calls himself a Christ follower, what is the church Oak Hills, the greater church, this is our opportunity. We already know what the world is like. If all of these things that I've been believing for so long are true, and I do believe they are, then we should be examples to the world. I should be an example in whatever my sphere of influence is to be a peacemaker, to be an agent of shalom. And so that's where I went with this. So, so on that point of um, as a Christ follower, as a person of faith, my faith should be influencing all that's happening. Be specific. What, how did that, what did that result in for you in terms of what did you actually do to, you use the phrase, slow your brain down, uh, slow the train down? After you kind of had that revelation, as you called it, what did you actually do? Well, I literally invited God in by praying and um, asking him to the extent that I am responsible for anything. Reveal that to me, God, please. To the extent that I have influence on anyone, give me courage to speak up. Um, And there are just some things that I just felt like we, I, just need to acknowledge that racism is real and that it's a sin and that it is not the way of Jesus. Period. Those of us who call ourselves Christ followers, you know, there should be no argument about that. And so I am looking for what my role should be to eradicate any part of that that is in my own heart and how to, with Jesus Christ as my guide, how to impress upon that and encourage other people to do the interior work that needs to happen. If not us as Christ followers, who? Mm -hmm. All we have to do is look at the news and see that's not how we want to do it. So then, what am I to do as a Christ follower? That's powerful stuff, Sharon. So let's, let's address what might be one of the unspoken questions some people have. It's a bit of an um, annoying question, maybe. It pushes things a little bit on this topic, which is good. So you and I talked about, let's push it a little bit. What would you say to those who maybe are struggling with why 
the particular issue of racism is getting the amount of attention in everyday discussions it is. In the media, even in church, uh, one might say, or in, re- in just one-on-one conversation. Why is racism such a crucial topic? Why is it important for those of us who call ourselves Christians to, again, using your phrase, to stop the train mm-hmm. of our... Uh, stop the momentum, whether that momentum, whatever that momentum might be, uh, sometimes that momentum is toward defensiveness. Sometimes it's toward the, yeah, 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 I get it about racism, but sometimes it's just toward people who drift into pontificating mode and start talking. So, so why does this, is it so important, do you think, that we all who call ourselves Christ followers pause and listen on this issue of racism? Well, first of all, you know, racism is not new to many of us. Um, you know, this is something that, in, in, depending on the way it shows itself, this is something that um, any, frankly, any non-white person has dealt with, whether it's subtle or, or just right in your face. Mm-hmm. Um, my hope, I'm, I'm going to answer that question, my hope is that this, um, racism issue is not going to just be something that people are going to jump on the bandwagon on until the next cool thing shows up. Why is why is it so important? Because particularly because of uh, America, um, you know, nobody wants to live in this division. Nobody wants to be um, drawing from fear or anger or um, some of these other things that are just, they're not productive. And so um, I just feel like if we want to move forward, if I want to be, if I want to move forward as a person, if we want to move forward as a church, as a church community, you know, we've got to get comfortable with talking about these uncomfortable things. And, And I've said this before, you know, I've been talking about race all my life by virtue of the fact that I'm a black woman. Mm -hmm. And um, what I find is that many of my white friends are not comfortable with talking about race. And so my first thing is, okay, do it anyway. Um, We have to get to a point where we're all remembering whose flag we're flying. You spoke beautifully of it last week. And so when I think about my identity, I'm, I'm a woman, I'm black, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm left-handed, I'm a mom, I'm a grandmom, I'm a wife. I mean, all of these things are part of my identity. What is really my identity? My identity is that I'm a Christ follower. And to me, those of us who call ourselves Christ followers have got to get past, ooh, it's hard to talk about. I don't know what to say, so I'll say nothing. They know how I feel about them. And all that weirdness. And stop being defensive. Stop rolling your eyes. Stop telling me about how I didn't own slaves, so what? Tell, telling me I should get over it. All of those things. And start. let's have a conversation as adults and further doesn't have to be adults. Kids should be having, parents should be having these conversations with their kids as well. And start to talk about, yeah, but now how can we make this a better world? So let's, let's jump out of this 
role here for a second, the, 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 me just asking questions that hopefully others are, are listening and hearing from. And I'm, I'm going to just try to take one of those things you said, and let's just pretend you and I are having the conversation at a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. So, Sharon, one of the reasons why I'm hesitant, this isn't true, I'm sort of in character now, but one of the reasons why I'm hesitant to talk about this is I feel like when this conversation ends, I'm going to feel guilty, and part of what you want to do is make me feel guilty. So when you say, you know, when you're making a comment about it's hard for sometimes for white people to talk about this, mm-hmm. so they don't, if I say to you, yeah, I don't want to feel guilty, and I think you're going to make me feel guilty, you say what? I would say that, that yeah, it's hard. But it's also a formational, transformational exercise. And that um, many of us know that we grow sometimes through pain and difficulty. And that's when we are most available, raw, if you will, to learn. And um, I think that there is much that, frankly, white people could learn um, I would really like to see less defensiveness and more of just entering into a conversation with me, hearing my heart. And certainly if it's two Christ followers, why is this so difficult? Why not open that conversation in prayer? You know, just Why not just say, look, I, I don't even know what you're feeling. I don't even know how to start this. But I understand that, that you and I plan on spending eternity together. So let's start just talking now. That's good. So this, in some ways, this is the, the continuing the idea that we have talked about many times. Of let's pull up a chair and talk about something that's difficult to talk about. Yes. And let's try to do it in a manner that keeps Jesus as king even over the conversation. What happens to you, if you're comfortable with this, what does it do to you? When somebody enter, when when, a, when a, a friend or a white person enters into that conversation versus avoids it. Well, first of all, I can give you several examples over the last um, over the last month. Initially, I was not okay, and I was not really in a position where I really wanted to talk about anything. And it was when I invited God, as I mentioned, when I invited God into all of this and helping me kind of navigate that. But it was huge for me to get phone calls and texts from people that just said, I'm thinking about you, you know, let me know if you want to talk. And um, I've also had some of the most wonderful conversations with people. We don't all agree, but what we have in common is Jesus. And so, and you know, we talk about this in the cultural learning group. If nothing else, we have Jesus, and isn't he enough? I mean, if we start with that then everything else just starts to fall away. Good. So one of the questions that I I, I know I have had and I know many have had is, okay, so what should I do, not just me personally necessarily, but all of us individually, as we think about our individual response to this, uh, you mentioned earlier in our spheres of influence. So let me ask the question this way. What should I or all of us be doing to bring God's shalom into those spheres of influence. I'm glad you asked that, Michael. <laughs> because-
because I actually took some time to write some things down. This is not, you don't have to do everything, but these are just some of the things that I think are a great start. And I think first thing we need to do is pay attention to our thought life, our first impression. Um, when we see things, how am I reacting to that? That might be where God is revealing some work. And I'm not perfect in this either, by the way, but it might be where God might be revealing um, work that needs to be done. Um, I think we should try and confront our world or earthly or human responses to what's going on um, in terms of anger and fear and how we and what we do as a result of our anger and fear. I think we should confront this need to be right, this this we should walk into why we feel we have to justify and make excuses and you know i think we need to own some of our own even subtle contributions to the problem um i think that we need to remember that we are christ followers in everything in everything in all of our conversations we need to remember whose flag we're flying mm-hmm. And um, I wrote some other things down here. I think that we should have conversations with people who are different than us. And if you don't have people in your life um, that are different from you in, in your, um, whether it's your political ideologies or um, even your faith in your race, your gender, um, if you don't have friends like that, really friends, then... Um, you might want to start to think about how you might get some. Uh-huh. And I think you should not be afraid to have conversations that just say, help me understand. One of the things that we did with Michael Zachariah's guidance is how to navigate difficult. Michael Zachariah, who was an Ochilian, um, we, he, he helped us figure out how to navigate difficult conversations so that you are putting yourself in a, in a humble position as opposed to, for instance, you know, why do you do this or why do you do that? Why not just start the conversation with, help me understand this? And already you're starting to lay the foundation for healthy, fruitful conversation. So I don't want, I want to just jump in on, mm-hmm. the, on that point. Yes. If I'm hearing you, it would be a, a good thing a practical thing for someone within Oak Hills who had a certain perspective on all this to walk towards someone who had a different perspective and seek to sit down and have a conversation under the reign of Jesus in a manner that is redemptive and listening first. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, I, I, I've had some of those um, that have been wonderful that have just been wonderful because you walk in with a respect for each other because of who Jesus is. And then you can have conversations even if we don't agree. And this is one of my encouragements to people where you're, you know, if you, you, you maybe are looking at things from this side. Talk to somebody from this side, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. And the object is not to win them over. The object should be to at least understand their point of view and maybe let them know your point of view. This is all really elementary stuff, but it really is difficult in these kind of difficult times and these hot topics. Yeah. Good. Okay, so last question. Um, 
there are all sorts of opinions all over the universe about what the church is, what it should be doing, what it actually means. There's all this conversation over the last few decades accurately acknowledging the church has been pushed further and further out of the center of these kinds of conversations and more to the margins of these conversations. And yet, we have this ecclesiology around here of believing somehow that the that Oak Hills as a local church is called to be a foretaste of God's shalom, a picture of what kingdom life is all about. So, what I'd like to ask you is, what should the church, Big C, but also the Oak Hills as a local church, what should we be doing in response to all this? And you don't need me to give you this permission, but I would invite you to not feel like you have to be nice here, either to me or to Oak Hills. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, thank you. I've got a list of those things, too. Um, one of the things I think we should do is, first of all, remember who we're serving here. Remember what our role is as Christ's followers. Until Jesus comes, we are his hands, his feet, his heart, his mouth, his ears. So we, I, you, us, Oak Hills, the greater sea church should be doing that in the midst of all of this. And what does that look like? Some really specific things is be intentional on speaking. I think last to others, I think last week you shared about how um, several people can still have a monologue. Mm -hmm. And so I am really asking people to you know, be bold and be courageous and pray about it. But for some, and there's different people who have different passions and interests, but for some, begin to, to, to ask people for, to have conversations, to have Zoom meetings, to have telephone calls, whatever. And, uh, you know, preferably FaceTime so you can look at each other and really um, speak about these things. I would say for um, many they need to just listen and resist the temptation as you listen to somebody else's story or how some of these things affect them. Resist the temptation to get defensive and go into, yeah, but, or that was a long time ago. Just resist that and be in a posture of listening and learning and unlearning. Mm-hmm. I think that um, it's time to, to start to, to re think our history, not only our uh, American history, our our world history, but even our California history. Um, Many of us haven't studied history since high school, and for some of us, that's been a long, long time. Um, Haven't done it since high school or college, and I think that you'll find that what we're taught is from one perspective, but... um, there's enough material through technology. We can download things. We can Google things um, and start to learn. And then you could appreciate another perspective. I think, for instance, about our California history, 
um, and some of the things that I'm hearing. Um, but I wonder, as some of some people who have such strong opinions, but perhaps, and I don't presume to ask to, to re- represent those things, but I suspect that Asian Americans might have a different viewpoint about California history. Certainly, Native Americans would have a certain viewpoint about um, uh, um, Asian Americans with regards to California history, um, Native Americans, indigenous peoples with regards to um, American history. And so the tools are out there. It requires work. It's no different from when we uh, decided that we were going to be Christ followers. You can make that decision, but that's not the end. That's the beginning. The next step is developing, you know, disciplines and reading the Bible and understanding. So um, I think conversation is important. I've been speaking or communicating with Valerie Harrison, who's our Oak Hills librarian, and Emily Huey, who is our Oak Hills Missional Living Coordinator, and trying to get books up in the library so we can, you know, encourage people to read books with regards to social justice and racial reconciliation. Wonderfully, I suppose, a lot of the books are not available. They're already sold out, so um, just be patient with that. But I think educating ourselves um, is important. Um, I know that you have uh, uh, the July 9, or we have the July 9 event coming up, and you're going to speak to that in a little bit. I also just want to put it out there, you know, that that um, I did this with some of some of the other some other small groups after the cultural learning groups. That if there are questions that you have that you're still not comfortable um, asking. Um, I can give you my opinion, and I'd be happy to at least get you more comfortable with some of those discussions. Um, and so, yeah, I'm going to make sure that I let those in the church office know they can get in contact with me. So if you have questions and you just don't even know where to start or you're afraid or the only friends you have are coworkers, and that's maybe not the place that you can ask, then I'm just being courageous and putting myself out there and going, I... If you want truth, if you want a Christian perspective, then I would love to talk to you about that. Good. So you and I chatted about this the other day, that the, this, is, this recent focus on matters of racism uh, is not necessarily new at Oak Hills, that we can go back long time ago, nearly 20 years ago, and uh, I think I mentioned this last week, but this was something that was heavy on Kent's heart for a long time, and we had our time as a sister churches with Center Praise, and there, were, there was a men's retreat way back when, um, a men's retreat where Center Praise men and Oak Hills men, and there was a lot of powerful, transforming things happened there. So this has been something that has been in the air, so to speak, at Oak Hills for quite a while. Uh, maybe more recently, as we've talked about the communion table a lot and the reconciliation that it uh, invites us to, there is this sense, as you know, of wanting to continue to discern where God is calling us as a congregation on these matters. I think it would be helpful for for people, you've mentioned the CLG a couple times, 
And the cultural learning group has been an important part of this. What's God doing here? So maybe explain what that is. Okay. So several years ago, um, I was I teamed up or with with Allison Collis's leadership. Um, we had our first cultural learning group with Paul Yin as well. And it's an effort to bring people who are different. This is not just race. We had economic differences, age differences. Um, and we, we just started to listen to each other. This was not about testimonies. This was about entering into other people's experiences with this this caveat of we make no judgments. We are creating a, a safe space. Being intentional on learning and hearing, or I should say hearing and learning about another person's story. You cannot speak to me about my story. I cannot speak to you about yours, but I can listen. So there have just been and learn and be humbled and be appreciative of the beautiful way that God has wired us. And I have learned so much about people who have become a part of my heart and have, I've, I've looked at things differently by virtue of the fact that I've heard about somebody else's life that I knew nothing about. So, um, it was just it was just incredible it every week i just felt like i was on sacred ground as i heard about everything from people who came from another country and how they experienced america to um oh gosh there's been so much to um just some of the stereotypes and the pain behind those stereotypes and recognizing what I may or how I may or may not have been part of that and how I look at people and make assumptions. And we know this. Right. We know, you know, there's so much more. I'm so much deeper than this exterior. You are too, you know. And so it just became this appreciation for people. And so over the, um, then Allison went to Duke and, and, doing great things and so the cultural learning group has continued and we've had several dozen people go through that and um, I've had numerous leaders coming alongside to help me with that and um, I really am hoping that the people that participated in the cultural learning group feel empowered to have these kinds of conversations that I'm suggesting we should all boldly endeavor to to have. Well, we are, um, we have talked about spiritual formation. Sharon's referenced it several times. And those of you that are a part of Oak Hills have heard us talk about this for a long time, this idea that the gospel wants to shape our inner world to be more like Jesus. And certainly the issues of racism extend far beyond our own personal uh, thought process on them. It's a very serious sin uh, that individuals have and society has. But one of the one of the things that is very clear over the last month or so is that this the the prevalence of the racism discussion has opened up a fresh space, as Sharon was talking about, 
to consider our own spiritual formation in Christ's likeness as this issue reveals some things to us and it shows us some things, and both on an individual level and on a church level. So we're going to continue to wade into this and see where God is leading us uh, through this. And I appreciate sharing your remarks here today. I'm going to talk a bit about the July 9th thing in a moment, but I'm wondering if you would pray for us as we wrap up this part. I'd love to. Father, we literally bow our heads as an act of humility and submission to your will and your way. And um, I pray this for myself and for my brothers and sisters here at God. I pray a bold prayer that you would reveal to each of us that which is not of you. Give us courage to walk into those darker parts of our heart. And I ask God that you would heal that. I pray, God, that as a person, as a group, as an individual, as a, as, as, um, as a church, God, I pray that we would be a church that would be welcoming, that would be opening ourselves up to you and the movement of your spirit. I pray, God, that we would be willing to do the, the work that needs to get done that would be um, honoring to you. I pray for conversations um, that will happen over the next few days, perhaps, as people consider what we've talked about here. I pray, God, that we would be, um, that our hearts would be malleable. God, we don't want to be a stiff-necked people. We want to represent you well. And I ask on the behalf of all of those who hear my voice, God, that you would show us, that we would give room for your spirit to do the work that it needs to do so that we really can be representatives of you, ambassadors of you, peacemakers, agents of shalom, God. Equip us to do that. And I pray this in your son's holy name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, sir. You bet. So I have a few announcements to draw our attention to before we wrap up. First one has to do with the annual Twin Lakes Food Bank backpack drive, which is underway as we speak. And the idea is to fill up a backpack and you can either bring it to church or bring it to the office. And we will make sure it gets to a uh, student who has need for it as we start to get ready for the fall school time. And then I want to come back to something that came up a couple times while Sharon and I were talking. This conversation we've been having for the last month, the things we've talked about related to racism and justice and injustice, and the, the things that Sharon was talking about today, and the conversation that we tried to have today. We want to continue this conversation, continue the dialogue, continue to be open and discerning of where the Spirit of God is leading us as a congregation and as individuals as we think about these issues and how we can respond. So on July 9th, we are going to uh, have a virtual gathering. Uh, it will be, we will be able to accommodate up to 100 people and there will be a, a kind of in a webinar format where we're going to dive deeper into many of these issues. And if there's something in this subject, if it piques your curiosity, if it causes you to uh, self-reflect as to where you are, 
or where you would like to be. And I, by this I mean you may agree with the things that Sharon is saying. You may not agree with the things that, that I've said or that Sharon uh, has said. You may have a different perspective. But you want to be in the dialogue. You want to be part of the conversation. Then July 9th, it's a Thursday night at 7 o'clock. Uh, we are going to have uh, a webinar. It's going to be uh, something that you can sign up for to continue this conversation. And actually, what starts on July 9th is going to be a monthly uh, gathering that we have. We're going to do this every month, have some kind of uh, means by which we continue the conversation and continue to discern what it is that God would have for us. One of the things that Sharon had mentioned uh, in some of our conversations was the importance of reading, uh, doing the work on this and exposing ourselves to some of the uh, books and so forth. And so in the process, uh, she has been in the process of trying to identify a book that would be helpful for us uh, for those of us who are interested to read, that will continue to stir these things up. And so on the 9th, we hope to have that book recommendation. And then in the months that follow, uh, part of what we'll do when we reconvene is talk about what's in the book and what we're learning in the book and so on and so forth. Again, this would be a deeper conversation. This would be a conversation for people who want to enter into this. It's not just a conversation for those who agree with everything that's being said. To the contrary, that would be a monologue with lots of people in it. We want to have a dialogue with lots of people where there's give and take. The, the July 9th gathering will mostly be interactive. It will primarily be questions you are allowed to submit ahead of time that we will then um, just simply ask uh, Sharon and uh, perhaps some others and see what those responses are. So it's not going to be a presentation as much as it's going to be a conversation that you will be a part of. So that'll be July 9th, and you will receive uh, information about how to sign up for that this Wednesday. As I mentioned, we'll be able to have up to 100 people part of that. Then I want to mention as well, next Sunday, July 5th, we are actually going to reopen uh, as a church, meaning our Sunday services in addition to being broadcast on Facebook, which they will be, we are also going to have uh, go back to our 9 o'clock and our 11 o'clock services right here in this room. There are all kinds of protocols to be followed. We are limited to 100 people, which when you add up the folks that are involved in making the service happen, we will actually have space for about 80 people in each of the services at 9 and 11. And you'll have to register in advance so we know which service you plan to come to. It will be a first-come, first-serve kind of a thing. Uh, there are uh, all sorts of protocols that we have in place. And all of this information will be available to you as well on Wednesday, this Wednesday. You'll be able to find it on our app. You'll find it on our website. You'll find it on our Facebook page. And we're going to send out an email that has all of the information about the July 9th gathering and about our reopening next Sunday, July 5th. So the good news is, is we have a chance to reconvene and some of us to be in the room together to once again uh, get back to the incarnated body of Christ where we actually are together. So we are greatly looking forward to that. And again, this Wednesday you'll be receiving a bunch of information. It will be available on all those different platforms and you can check out the particulars for yourselves. We appreciate you taking the time to be with us 
here today. And as we conclude, may the peace of Christ be with you all. Thanks for being here.